Hi, this is Lucy Weston, and welcome to Chick Flick Chat. You are about to listen to a show that I previously recorded on another platform, and there are many pointers to other websites, but as of now, you'll only find us uh, at the appropriate podcast locations and www.chickflickchat.com. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy. Today, Chick Flick Chat co-host Susan Rigazzo and I are chatting about two movies, the 2011 film The Roommate and the 1992 film Single White Female. Scary stuff on many levels. Hi, Susan. Are you ready to discuss, dissect, and dish the details of today's films? Hi, Lucy. Yes, I won't deny that there were some pretty scary concepts in these films and Hopefully we can learn from them, if nothing else. <laughs> true, true. And, and it's perfect timing since it's October, right? You got uh, it. Listeners, as always, Susan and I do not discuss these films prior to the show. So if you want to jump in on the discussion, you can call in live at 909-265-9175 and press number one if you'd like to talk, and I'll pick you up. Okay, Susan, tell us the premises of the films. Okay. This synopsis is from the movie website for The Roommate. College student Sarah finds that her new roommate, Rebecca, has an obsession with her, which quickly turns violent. It stars Minka Kelly as Sarah, Leighton Meester as Rebecca, and Cam Gigande as Steven. For single white female, a single white female places an ad in the press for a similar woman to rent a room to replace the boyfriend she's just left, and all the applicants seem weird. Then along comes a level-headed woman who seems to be just right. The new lodger, though, has a secret past which haunts her. It stars Bridget Fonda as Allie, Jennifer Jason Lee as Hedra, and Stephen Weber as Sam. Thank you, Susan. All right, I saw a single white female in the theaters in 1992. And then again, I watched it. I haven't seen it in all these years, and I watched it for this chat. Um, okay, what about you, and did you think that it, it – it, does it stand up? You know, I have never seen single white female, so this was the first time, first time for me. Um, uh, as for it standing up, I'm going to say outside of uh, the outdated uh, technology and perhaps the outfits, uh, yeah, I, I would say it would. It does. <laughs> there were still, you know, even though I had seen it before, there were still some really scary moments in it and some, yeah. you know, just uh, you, creepy very creepy, a little unsettling, that's for sure. Yes, definitely unsettling. So here we are, 20 years later, and no now we have... No by the way. Say here again? We are. <laughs> no pun oh, yes, by the way. Here, we, here are. we are, 20 years later. <laughs> and we have a new movie called The Roommate with mm-hmm. the same exact theme. This jealous girl, a jealous needy girl, she latches onto the confident, stylish roommate, and then we see her transform herself into this you know, she doesn't think it, but a crazy version of that roommate. What is being said here in terms of toxic friendships? I want to get this out of the way before we get to the actual details of the films, because I think that the, that the fact that these both of these movies 
have been made and you know single white female was huge at the time the roommate not so much so which maybe is is a reflection of what's going on but what do you think about you know toxic friendships and the representation here uh, I obviously, I think it's uh, in in these movies it's taken to the extreme. I think you see toxic friendships more on subtler levels in our day to day lives, perhaps with uh, coworkers, with friends, with whoever, with family members even. Um, so, so yes, in these movies it's definitely taken to the extreme. Um, however, you know there was something I wanted to point out about uh, toxic friendships, and and I'm going to ask you just to, to bear with me here and hear me out. I think okay. there might be some people who might be uh, upset with what I'm about to say. But uh, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm going to use the term um, being stalked, just a general well, term. That's so funny that you say that because I actually have a note here that says stalker. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so those that are being stalked are in some ways kind of the co-creators in the dysfunction because they're not really setting up these healthy boundaries when they first start recognizing the problem. And we see this displayed in the movies in Single White Female. Um, Allie, when she sees how extreme the uh, situation is with Hedra, she comments, even though she knows she has to be proactive, she's like, well, I feel sorry for her. And she really, in essence, perpetuates that situation. And, and then actually, we have Sarah. That's Go right. Ahead. Go ahead. Sarah did the same thing. You're right. Sarah Sarah did. She did subtly try, try setting a boundary with the necklace in the beginning. I don't know if you recall the sister's necklace mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Rebecca put on. So she did try to subtly start it, uh, set it, that boundary. But then what happened was she even comments shortly thereafter, yeah, you know, Rebecca is strange, but she doesn't have any friends. So she kind of perpetuate, perpetuates this friendship anyway because she feels bad for her. So you know what happens? As soon as you make someone else's happiness your personal responsibility, you put the co in codependent. Okay, that's and a really good point, and I think that it, that's very valid. And, and actually, it's a great observation about the two films because I really I skipped over that in my notes, but you're right. I do clearly remember both of the lead actresses making excuses and and kind of uh, I don't want to necessarily say forgiving, but like understanding or or accepting early signs of bad behavior. Yes, exactly. And feeling and bad for them. Yeah. And that this is that's a very good learning lesson, uh, teaching lesson from this yeah. movie, from both movies, yeah. that when you start to see it, it's time to say, uh-oh, and raise the red flag. And don't be afraid to raise the red flag, because I think that's how toxic friendships go for so long and get so far uh, beyond what should be a conventional, normal, nice, uh, balanced friendship or relationship, and and you Absolutely. mentioned stalker, and I think you know obviously stalker it, it can never be a positive usage of stalker, right? right. I don't think right. you could ever say you know, but but then you have friendships that are just very competitive. You might have people that are just mm-hmm. even if they have different educational backgrounds or whatever, you they might be extremely competitive with each other, and that's not healthy for either person, the one that's competing or the one that's being competed with. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. You know, so and there's so many envy, different levels. Right. Envy, and then you have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was thinking in, the, in the, this film, the both films, we're so used to doing only one movie, so I forget there's the two. Um, <laughs> the Both films bring up the whole idea of the, you know how uh, you're like, oh, someone is copying you, oh, it's flattery, like imitation is the, yeah. uh, the most sincere form of flattery, or maybe that, I'm skewing that phrase, but it's, mm-hmm. It really isn't when you're the person that's 
being imitated or copied. It's very, um, mm-hmm. uh, it really is stressful. It is. And you know what? I had a similar situation like that in um, in high school where the, the person, I mean, they weren't nearly in stalker territory, but they would constantly mimic my words right after I said them. They wouldn't even wait like an hour after I said it. They'd be, they were like a parrot. And mm-hmm. I finally, I, I was fed up one day. And I actually lost it, and I started yelling at them. And we didn't talk for a very long time. And I guess back then I wasn't—I uh, I didn't necessarily know the meaning of, of emotional health. So, uh, so it came out as screaming and yelling. But that was me trying to set a boundary. Right, setting the boundaries. So, yeah. and and of, of course, you know, what you were saying in your high school, you're you know, you're emotionally not ready to handle certain things. But um, I think for all women, everybody, and it's funny, I have an article coming out that um, Self.com and the Today Show. Uh, lent a lot of statistics to, and it really talks about how every woman pretty much through every age category has experienced or is experiencing a toxic friend or what I like to also refer to as the energy vampire in your life, you know, where the blood suckers, where they latch on and you can't get rid of them. Um, So, okay, let's let's transition then, and this is good, into what, you know, about these movies specifically. So, by breaking down the films, comparing and contrasting them together, let's start with the casting. Let's just back up a little and say, okay, casting-wise, I thought they were, first of all, single white female was, I can't imagine anybody playing else playing either of those two lead roles. Agreed. And the, yeah, agreed. And that could be because it's such an iconic film, too. But maybe yeah, they did but a great even at job. At the time when I saw it, it was so good that you were, and you know, Bridget Fonda was really just she was on the scene and just doing so well. And and now you know, twenty years later, we have the roommate, uh, Leighton, Leighton or Leighton, Meester. It's Leighton. Leighton, Meester. Thank you. Yeah. She, I thought she was phenomenal in it. You yeah, know, the script was. was a little uh, a little light here and there, but I thought she did right. a phenomenal job. Minka Kelly, gorgeous. She really is. Yeah, really stunning on film. Um, mm-hmm. They together they worked very well. Uh, you know, it was. The, I, I'm not sure if I can't imagine anybody else playing either of those roles. Agreed, agreed. And you know what? Too, I wonder. Do you think you just mentioned the script is kind of? Eh, I wonder if that part of that has to do with it. It could be. It could be. It could yeah. be the directing. Were, but uh, yeah. they both did a great job. I mean, they both did a fine job with what they had to work with. And you know, and Agreed. but uh, definitely, um, well, Jennifer Jason Lee is Hedra in Hedra, right? Hedra in, Hedra, in yeah. single white female scared everybody. You know. <laughs> oh, still, gosh, yeah. When I watched it again, I'm like, Ooh, she was really, really, really great. Right? Um, right. Really gave herself over to it. So I did like the casting. I have to tell you, for both films. I didn't care for the choice of boyfriends, even though I, I like both of those actors. Yes, yes, I agree. I, I don't know what it is about them, and they weren't. I don't think that was intentional. They didn't do that on purpose, but yeah, there was just something didn't resonate. Right, didn't jive. Like I didn't feel yeah. that um, uh, Stephen Weber, Weber matched uh, Bridget Fonda. You know, in, in, right? in forms of, terms of their characters. I just didn't feel it, and I felt the same yeah. way with Cam and, and Minka. Yeah. He's adorable, yeah. and he was very good yeah. in it, but I just felt like he was like more like they were buddies. Right. There was something right. not working there, meshing for me, boyfriend-wise. Um, so anyway, okay, so what about similar themes? We've already started talking about all these different things that are going on, but specific to the film, let's um, – okay, let's pick a couple of things, and let's talk about how many of the things – 
appear in both movies. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, it was almost a carbon copy. Almost. <laughs> almost. I was like, okay, well, so, down, so, to, down to the set ahead. and everything. Perfume, uh, you know, references to perfume, references to animals, references to jewelry. I'm like, what? Yeah, okay, so now you have, okay, for anybody who's listening or listens in the future who hasn't seen uh, both films, in Single White Female, it's a, 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 a woman in an apartment, and in The Roommate, they're in the college setting. Yeah. So, you know, you have and you put the ad out for the apartment and in the terms of college, it's kind of a random pick. You don't know who you're getting as your roommate. It's usually by a lottery and you get, you know, their name or whatever and they show up and you're like, hi, and that's exactly what happened in the movie. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a lottery with the uh, the ad because people are, at, you know, answering the ad. You don't know really who they are. And, um, you know, it's to me it, it kind of it does speak to – when you meet new people, whether they're going to be living with you or not, it's about who you let in. And if you don't quite interview them properly or have that chance, sometimes they're in before you know it, and then you can't get rid of them, and you're sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's something with these these toxic people and these toxic toxic friendships. They they know zero right in on your vulnerabilities. And and they take complete advantage of that. So you show the the, the least bit of vulnerability, and they're in. Mhm. You know. It's the closet psycho syndrome. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know that they you don't know they're a closet. How do you know? How do you know mm-hmm. anybody's a closet psycho until after you've known them for a while? True. They start to exhibit those tendencies, and it's hard right. when you meet somebody new. So. Um, all right, so timing is everything. You know, you and I talk, we talk, and we've talked in other shows about how timing is everything. And in film, a lot of times the plot lines are all dependent on things coming together or gelling at a certain uh, point, and and that's sort of what makes the story. And the same thing here. You know, you have Hedra coming in at a moment where Allie is very vulnerable and crying because uh, her relationship has just fallen apart with her boyfriend, and she picks up the pieces in that moment, and Allie mistakes that bit of kindness for sanity. Yeah. As many women do. Yeah, it's true. And it's hard to tell because when you're dealing with a toxic person, they they know how to hide that so well. They know how to manipulate the situation so well that you don't know. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're presupposing they know they're toxic. Uh. Not every closet psycho knows they're the closet psycho. No, no, I agree. No, no, no. I meant, I meant like somebody like an alley, you know. Uh, I just completely lost my train of thought. What did I just say? You were, you. I said to you that it, you're presupposing that, cl- like a closet psycho or or a toxic person knows that they're toxic. Like they, I don't my, think they're walking my around going, you know. My comment was about alley, not about Hedra. Okay. Oh, but I, I forget what I'm I sorry. said okay. to reference it. <laughs> okay, sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off. Um, no, that's all okay, right. So, we learn from both movies that the, there's boyfriend issues. There are boyfriend issues going on. Uh, Allie's boyfriend is, I guess, either getting a divorce or recently divorced. We find out he sleeps with the ex-wife, and she finds out too, and they break up, and he moves out, and that's why she needs the roommate. And then in the other movie, we find out that uh, Sarah ends up at, at at college as in part of this dormitory living scenario because she was supposed to go with her boyfriend to Brown. And then yeah. they... They weren't. They didn't get in, but at the last minute, a seat opened up for him. He takes it and goes, and she's stuck mm-hmm. going to a state school. 
Um, yeah. In this case, I think it's UCLA. So, you know, so they were both wronged by their boyfriend. So we put them in a in a vulnerable position, and that they're, you know, and I think when you're going through that, you also are reaching out to other people, or you're letting people in, or you know, it's uh, issues arise where you're more vulnerable than you would be in another yeah. scenario. Absolutely. Absolutely, and that's where that's where somebody like the the Hedra or the uh, Rebecca see that, and they zero right in. Right, and, and yes, that's you know, true. It's they, like a hunter on the kill. Yeah, okay, you know, I'm going to go back to that again because are you saying I want to? Maybe I should clarify. Are you saying that they know that they're closet psychos, and or are they just that's just the way their that's their their mo. That's just the way they no, operate. No, that's their mo. They don't. They're not okay. doing this consciously. No, okay. absolutely not. But the, as soon as they see that vulnerability, they know that that's an in for them. It's not a conscious choice. It's just, it's just the way they roll. Right, okay. Yeah, that's that's how you roll when you're a toxic friend. So, okay, now we have the professor in the roomie, yeah. and we have yeah. the freelance boss of Ali mm-hmm. in Single White Female. And both yeah. men eventually hit on the lead ladies. So you have creepy older guys hitting on very young women, and in both movies. So we want to talk about, you know, yeah. what's going on similarly. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I must say, Billy Zane as the professor and the roommate was was quite creepy <laughs> as the, as the creepy professor. He did a he very was. good job. And I thought he was familiar. What was he in? What else was he in? Titanic. Ah, yes. There you go. And and I, I, many other films. But, yes, he yeah. he. He did a very good job in the, in that role. He made it his own. Um, he did. So, and then you have the uh, you have Hedra and you have Rebecca getting revenge on said professor and the freelance boss within the film. So that's a very similar uh, plot line. Um, yeah. Okay, it's separating out the personalities, you have the the girl who is the sought after girl, the Sarah in the alley. They're both ambitious. They're both striving for something, and one mm. wants to be a fashion designer, and the other, and then Allie wants to be some kind of computer uh, programmer or something. wasn't quite clear. You're right. The technology wasn't que- clear in that movie of what she yeah. was going to be doing. Um, but uh, the two roommates, on the other hand, are sort of just going along to get along. One's a student, and Hedra ends up working in a bookstore at, at Rizzoli in New York, but she's just sort of going along. And there's no, it doesn't appear that they have a lot of ambition. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't. And then you have to wonder if that has to do with their troubles. You know what I mean? Because Could they be. probably don't. I would. I would suspect that when you're a toxic friend, let's let's give a broad definition of a toxic friend. Well, no, you already gave us like a couple different levels. But let's talk about maybe energy vampires and a couple definitions. You're going to have an energy vampire that saps you of your energy because they don't have any self-esteem or self-worth of their own. And then you have those who are going to put you down to help bolster their own self-esteem. So in these movies, we're dealing with energy vampires that are that are um, uh, sapping you of your self-esteem. And, again, you have to imagine, if somebody doesn't have a lot of self-worth and self-esteem, like Hedra, like Rebecca, that, yeah, they're not going to necessarily be go-getters. They're just kind of going to go with the flow. You're right. Hedra in the single white female does talk about like, oh, I couldn't do this, or I'm too shy, or yeah. you know, she, I never know what to wear, and they they do, uh, and that is different actually than 
Rebecca's character because Rebecca does have that beautiful wardrobe and you know she yeah. she's a little bit more confident and certainly more attractive. Um, all right, so now you, we have the friends, the friends that appear in the lives of the the leading ladies, and you have Irene for the roommate who's friends with Sarah. And she's mm-hmm. an artist or some kind of fashion designer herself. And then you have Graham, who's Allie's friend and single white female. Mm-hmm. Um, similarity, they're both gay. Oh, that's right. I didn't even pick up on that. They are. Okay. They are. And then yep. both of them become victims of the, mm-hmm. you know, the, what, what should we call uh, Hedra and, and Rebecca? The, the, the cookie roommates or, you know. <laughs> really, they are kooky. They're kooky. It's, it's they not, they not, are. Those aren't roommates you want. Let's you know, go with the PC term, toxic friends. <laughs> toxic friends. Okay, they're not PC. <laughs> well, you know, if you if anybody who's had roommates would, would knows, like you know, then there's times where you're like, oh, okay, hope I didn't get right. a lemon here. Um, right. <laughs> anyway, okay. So then you also have. I felt really bad for that girl Tracy in the roommate, who oh. has the scene with with Rebecca where Rebecca pulls out her belly button ring, and that was yeah. painful. Painful oh to watch. God. Yeah, the actress, and, and forgive me, I can't remember her name, uh, did a very, very nice job in that scene. It was You were scared for her in the shower. You know, it was like, oh, no, it's a shower. But yeah. you knew something was coming. And, uh-huh. you, you, yeah, and she's, it, so you have all these, the friends, it's sort of like the idea of isolation, where you don't include other people and you start to, you know, and and controlling the, the okay the other thing about that is controlling the phone that the toxic mm-hmm. friend or the toxic roommate in this case in these cases uh, delete uh, Hedra deletes messages from Stephen the boyfriend and yep. uh, Rebecca did the same thing right on the she wasn't right wasn't she, she deleting or she was she she picked up she actually picked up Sarah's cell phone when it was her ex boyfriend calling and and was pretending to be Sarah right. But I think yeah. she. I think maybe there was something else where she deleted or she wasn't. She did something with the cell phone, uh, and I oh, want to okay. get to that whole pickup thing. Um, so you have uh, you have incidents where in the beginning of the relationship, this goes back to what you were saying earlier, is when uh, both leading ladies stay out with with their boyfriends or whomever they were out with, and don't call and don't come home. Mm-hmm. Hedra and Rebecca both say. Where were you? Yeah, that's right. Because they want they in their mind, they want to be the only person that this is the toxic friendship. They want to be the only person in in that other person's life. And how could you not? And how could you? How could you not include me? How could you? You know, uh, not call me? How could you? Whatever. You know. So it's almost so like a jealous. It's like the jealous boyfriend. Absolutely. It's worse than the jealous boyfriend, I think. <laughs> and they both, you know? in both films, they gave the worry excuse. I was worried about you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you said earlier, where the, like, Allie and and Sarah didn't, didn't they knew it was weird. They were both kind of like, what? Like, I'm an adult. I don't need to answer right. to you. But at the same time, they uh, brushed it aside or, you know, put it under the, like, oh, she just was worried, and they accepted it. And I think, when you know, mm-hmm. that's a, it's a lesson to everybody to be careful what you accept because you're just going to get more of it. Right. And you know what? I think you – is it you that have a great saying when somebody shows you who they are, listen? It's somebody actually tells you who they are, Maya listen? Angelou. That's one of my favorites. It's Yeah, when okay. people tell you who they are, listen. 
That's right. And I so think that would apply here. We don't do it, right? We just keep right. going. Oh, they don't mean. And you and we as females, as women, we tend to make excuses for people, even when people aren't mm-hmm. giving us excuses. Like, oh, they didn't mean it. Oh, they were. Right. Oh, they were in a bad mood, or oh, they had a bad day, or you know, it's right. it's one of the it's, it's something we always have to stop. We have to learn to stop doing. And I think we're, a lot of us are programmed to do it. And I know I struggle with it. And you know, mm-hmm. and that's so it's it, as as many people do. I hope. I hope I'm not the only sure. one. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we'll move on. Uh, Phone tricks. You mentioned the phone trick where Rebecca picks up and then ends up having a little dalliance with the, with uh, uh, Sarah's ex boyfriend. That's right. On the phone, and he thinks it's Sarah, so she's impersonating yep. her now. She's gone from deleting the call or stopping the call to actually pretending to be Sarah. To be Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what I have to I have to point out here I don't know if she was pretending to be Sarah because she wanted to be Sarah I think she was that was all part of her manipulation in trying to because remember at the end she's like don't ever call me again click right. I to so get rid I don't know that she was trying to be Sarah but yeah she wanted to get him out of her life get that so while because we're again, on that yes while we're okay. on that because we only have four minutes left Susan oh okay she goes to the hotel room. He leaves a note, and she, Rebecca, goes to the hotel room where he's staying. And I guess because she didn't get rid of him by saying, don't ever call me again, she goes there, and she's dressed like Sarah with the hat, and she shows up, and what ends up happening is she kills him. Yeah. So she gets rid of him per, per, permanently as an obstruction. Uh, yeah. And the same exact thing happens in single white female. In mm-hmm. this case, instead of wearing a hat, uh, Hedra is wearing her silver raincoat. Shows up, crawls into bed with Stephen. Uh, yep. Right? Was it? Was that his name, Stephen, in the movie? Um, crawls into bed with him, and then you know they, they start fooling around, and suddenly uh, he realizes. Actually, uh, Sam, Stephen Weber, Sam, that's Sam. Right, that's um, right. He realizes it's not her, but he smells her perfume. It's all the same things. Well, she ends up haircut, a fight yeah. ensues, and she ends up. I think that was less intentional of killing him. Her intention, I think, was more to sleep with him and, you know, win him over yeah, or whatever him. she thought she was doing. But either yeah. way, we had the same result. So both, you know, main uh, guys are now out of the picture. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have the whole cat and dog stuff. Oh. Single white female, we have a puppy. In uh, the roommate, we have a kitten. Yeah. We don't have to talk about that. If you're an animal lover and you're listening to the show, and it isn't yeah. nice if you haven't seen the movie, what happens to the poor little cat and right. the poor little dog. And, again, we have, you know, they're crying and they're so sad about it, but they've actually been the perpetrators of, of something very mean. Um, exactly. Then you have the dead sister in both movies. You have the, the Hedda, yep. Hed, Hedra has a dead sister and... Sarah has a dead sister, a little bit different juxtaposition on on, yeah. on the family lineage, but you end up with uh, Rebecca getting a tattoo of the dead sister's name and uh-huh. Hedra getting the same haircut yes. so that they look it's... like sisters. Right, exactly. A lot of similarities in this movie. Uh, we talked about the hotel room. You mentioned the perfume and the clothing and the jewelry, all the copycat stuff that they start to sort of yeah. absorb the other person through the exterior uh, uh, things, the manifestations of you know looks and hair and how you smell and what you, how you dress, um, and in the end, both movies mm-hmm. have the girl fight, the big fight, the knockdown, drag out scene, and which I don't know yeah. how that ever happens in real life, but you know it's, it hopefully doesn't. <laughs> and how do both girls end up? How do the bad girls end up? They both die. Knife in the back died. <laughs> 
Oh, that's right. I taught, didn't they think both that got up. the old-fashioned knife in the back. So that's it's one right. of those things that you're like, oh, I don't know. Is that really – did you have to go there as the director and the writer, the cliché? Right, so, okay, right. so we covered a lot of things here. Is there oh, any yeah. benefit to portraying women this way? Are we getting anything? I mean, maybe you and I discussed some benefit that you can be aware of what's happening. Do you think? Uh, you know what? I, I I hope, yes, I hope the things that we discussed are beneficial, but in general, um, no. You know, if this was meant to be beneficial, um, I I would have portrayed it as what somebody could do to be proactive in order to not be uh, involved in a toxic relationship as opposed to highlighting all of the dysfunction and all of the extreme heartache in the relationship. You know, so I I just want to say, too, We have 30 seconds left, but we're going to go over for a minute or two because I want to make a couple more points. So if you're listening live, I apologize. The the show will end in a few seconds, but you can hear it on the download or on iTunes uh, and pick up the ending. Um, You're right. I I don't think either film was made with the intention of being beneficial, but I think by observing it and talking about it and seeing what can go on and the very valid points you made early on and throughout the show about – being aware and, and setting those boundaries as you start to see how badly, I mean, this is, a, uh, you know, yeah. a, a hyper view of what could happen. Um, but then again, you know, a, a lot of us have had issues with people and you know how far it can go. So it's it can yeah. be very scary. Um, any wardrobe or set observations? You know, this has never been my strong suit and I can't I say I really picked part. anything up. <laughs> I know, you're so I good at it. So part. I'm, I'm going to hand it right over to you. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know how Sarah tells Rebecca in The Roomie that she likes uh, The Devil Wears Prada, that that's one of her favorite films. And what happens is Rebecca gets the poster and puts it over her bed. And so when she's sitting on the bed and you see, like, the little devil symbols, like, she is the devil. But the the funny thing is when you see her closet, and Sarah makes a point about saying about these closets, some of those clothes are Prada. Oh. Oh, okay. So you've got, you know, the Prada clothes. The devil wears Prada. I thought it was a little cheesy. Oh. I thought it was like a little too obvious. But okay. Um, then you had the fedora. I'm sorry. I said apparently not obvious. I, I totally missed oh, it. Oh well, it just, but you have a I keen eye. Like, oh. So now the fedora hat that Sarah wears in the roommate. Love it. Hate it. What? Oh, I thought she was cute. I thought she was adorable in it. Well, she's so beautiful. I think she could wear anything. She could wear a paper bag and look good. But the, I, I don't know. I, I've been seeing them a lot. They're cute. I don't know. You know, it's, it did make her look distinctive and I guess somewhat stylish is what they were I, trying to get at. Yeah, they were trying to say she was, like, a very iconic in her style because she was a fashion designer. I think the professor even mentioned it, that she's uh, on the cutting edge or whatever. So I think that's right. kind of what they were going for. Okay, I didn't remember how bad the haircut was in Single White Female that Bridget Fonda has with that red hair. I really didn't remember it until I was watching. And I remember, I mean, I was watching it recently and thinking, "Oh my God, was it? Did it? Was it? Was it that bad then, or was it just that the style was sort of that angular? Sometimes, uh, yeah. what was it called when it was off? Like one side was different than the other. Remember that? Oh, I do. They, I, like, I don't um, remember the name. Yeah, it was it, so. I just didn't remember the hairstyle being that bad, but she wore it well. She's so she pretty. Did. And it, it, in defense, at the time, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I guess it wasn't yeah. at the time. It just seemed horrendous now. And then when Jennifer right. Jason Lee has it, it looks even more silly. It's just so in it the does. color, and you yeah. know, um, what I did notice in both movies is that there were a lot of vest wearing going on. 
vests, oh, V-E-S-T. Okay. They were vests, yeah. single white female, for the, the women wearing them. And then in mm-hmm. the roommate, there were vests. And I thought, are vests in? Is it? In? <laughs> I don't know why both both movies, the wardrobe designers picked vests for these girls, but there was something about the vests. Um, and I, as of now, that's all I can think of uh, as far as the the wardrobe and, and set observations and things. But uh, I enjoyed mm-hmm. seeing them both. I have to say, uh, and I think you know, it's it, they're fun. They're fun movies, and they do bring up some interesting points. Um, yeah. You know, like make sure that your boyfriend can identify you in bed. <laughs> That would be a key point, I think, right? Versus, you know, not realizing until it's too late that it's not you, um, which I did. I have to just I had to go back to that because I think that, oh, I don't know. What is that saying? Men are so not aware. Oh, a that lot they, of men are so saying. Yeah, I don't know what it's saying. Um, well, Susan, <laughs> I had a good time, and thank you, Me as too. always. And I am very thank excited you, to do the next chick. But chat, we're going to have to pick yes. what it is. We don't know what it is okay. yet. We sometimes. Yes. So if you're listening and you have a suggestion, please email us, um, and we'd love to hear from you. So that would be great. Or you can tweet with me or with Susan and uh, come to the Facebook page and give us some ideas. And that's a wrap. This is Lucy Weston. Thank you so much for listening to this updated podcast of Chick Flick Chat. And you can always find me at Better brightereasier.com, home of Rumigator, the natural neutralizer. Chat with you next time. Bye for now.